listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Hey, we've been uh, on a series of messages really kind of looking at basic Christian doctrine and what we believe as Christians, why we believe that, why it's so important to the church, um, what we believe, why we believe it, how it's important uh, for us to be able to um, walk that out in our relationship with God and with one another. And so today I want to talk about the doctrine of grace. Um, What is grace? You know, uh, why is it so important uh, that we understand what grace is and and understand how it really wants to operate in our lives? Now, the word grace is used over 150 times in the New Testament. And here's something you may not know. It is a word that Jesus never uses. Isn't that amazing? When you think about that word, how important of a word that is in the Christian doctrine, when you, when you see the New Testament and you just find the concept of grace everywhere, and yet you come to discover it is a word that Jesus never used once. Now, I don't know about you, but I found that kind of interesting. I found that kind of strange, and the reason that I believe Jesus never used the word grace was because he didn't have to. Jesus was a walking, living testimony of that word. The word may not have been spoken by his lips, but boy, it was clearly evident in his life. Jesus may have never ever used that word in any of his teachings, but man, you could just see it in the way he lived. It was really the Apostle Paul who kind of took that word grace and really kind of brought revelation and understanding to what really kind of just seems to come very natural to Jesus. And I don't know of a word that really is more important to the church to really grasp and to live out than that word grace. And if you think about it, if you remove the word grace or the attribute of God's grace, if you were just to remove that from the church, I think every door would have to close and every preacher would probably be out of a job because the only gospel really we have to preach and to live out before a dark world is the gospel that is called in Acts twenty twenty four the gospel of the grace of God. Grace is really at the heart of the gospel. Without it, I believe the gospel message, it's irrelevant, it's meaningless, it's dead. Now, I know there's a lot of definitions, and I'm sure many of you have heard multiple definitions of grace. It's kind of like a multifaceted diamond. There's a lot of ways to look at grace, a lot of different ways to understand grace. Grace has been defined in a lot of different ways. So I just want to just kind of give you a basic, kind of an elementary definition of the meaning of grace, and that is, it is the favor of God, freely and fully given to sinners, even though we've done nothing to deserve it. So this morning, I want to just kind of look at some of the ways that that, that God's favor in, in his grace, as, as that is freely and fully given to us, I want us just to kind of look at a few of the ways that we'll see that grace of God manifested and how it really wants to impact and benefit our lives. 
The first thing is grace redeems every one of us from the penalty of sin. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This uh, past Christmas, I was, you know, as we were kind of getting ready to celebrate Advent, I, I was, you know, just really kind of thinking and meditating on the birth of Christ, and I, God had given me this picture in my mind of a nativity scene, a beautiful nativity scene, a big, beautiful nativity scene, and he had given me this scripture out of t- uh, Titus 2, verse 11. And so this past Christmas, I went out uh, and found the, the biggest nativity scene I could find, and found a place in our, our home, uh, kind of in the middle of our home on a, on a staircase, and I set this nativity scene up, and I actually took this verse from Titus 2.11 and put that above the nativity scene, because when I look at Christ in that cradle, to me, that is the fulfillment of this scripture verse. For the grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all mankind the day Jesus Christ was born. And it's in that that we're plainly told that it is by grace that salvation has come. I believe the grace of God has manifested many, many beautiful things in our life, salvation being chief among them. Salvation, again, it's one of those manifestations. It's kind of a byproduct of the grace of God. Now, I want to give you kind of some bad news. I'm going to follow that up with some worse news. Then I'm going to give you some good news, and I'm going to end it with what I think is the best news of all. Now, the bad news is, is every one of us, and this probably isn't anything new to you if you've been coming to this church for a while, but the bad news is every one of of us, including myself, is a sinner. And Paul kind of affirms that in Romans 3.23. As a matter of fact, Paul kind of identified himself as what he would call the chief of sinners. He's saying, I I am the sinner of sinners. And Paul makes this observation in Romans 3.23, and he says, every one of us, all of us have sinned. Every one of us have fallen short of the glorious standard of God's glory. Now, that's the bad news. The worst news is... There's nothing any of us can do to save ourselves. Now, the good news is you don't have to do anything to get this salvation. And the best news is that Jesus has done it all. He has provided it all for us. All we have to do is to accept it, to receive it. And that's one of the ways that God's grace wants to manifest and work in your lives. If you're here and you're not saved, one of the ways God's grace is trying to reach out to you this morning is is to bring you to that place of salvation, to let you know, here's a free gift. You don't have to do anything. I've done it all. It is provided. It's ready. It's waiting. It's there. If you'll just receive it, if you'll just take it by faith. They're basically kind of what I would call three descriptions for grace. One of the ways you'll hear grace kind of defined is it's kind of the, it's unconditional. Unconditional grace means there's no strings attached to it. There's, there's you know, we, we oftentimes hear the devil's in the details. There's no devil in any of the details. There's no small print 
in the contract. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's no way you can work for it. Again, it's a free gift. Ephesians 2.8, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. In other words, there's nothing you can do to earn this. There's nothing you can give to buy this. He says it's, it's nothing to do with you. It is the free gift of God. Now again, why is it so important to talk about grace? I know some of you, maybe you've been in, in the church for decades, you've been a Christian, you know, a long time, and you're sitting there, you're kind of just thinking, yeah, 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 I, I've heard so many sermons on grace. I mean, I, I understand grace. And so maybe you're kind of just tempted to kind of tune out this morning thinking, you know what, I, I kind of got the message, I got the concept of grace, probably not going to learn anything new here Again, the reason I think it's so important to talk about the grace of God, um, you know, periodically and repeatedly is because it is a very hard concept for us to really believe. It's difficult to receive. I think it's, it's challenging to walk out, and, and it is hard to understand sometimes. As a matter of fact, there's a whole book given in the New Testament that really kind of highlights the difficulty of really kind of understanding, receiving, and walking in God's amazing grace. Some of you may have read this book. It's called Galatians. And the book of Galatians was a letter that Paul had written to a group of believers. And these were believers who really understood. They knew what it meant to walk in the grace of God. And over time, what Paul observes is that gradually they kind of begin to start walking less and less in the grace of God, and they kind of shifted, and they kind of started walking more and more in their good works, or they kind of started walking in, you know, my relationship with God, it's really dependent on following the Mosaic laws of Moses, and so oftentimes they would kind of, you know, get the list of, of the laws of Moses, and they would begin to look at that, and they would kind of just begin to check off the things that they have done. Uh, to kind of earn or to work their way into God's good graces. And, and so Paul sees what's happening in the church there in, in, in Galatia, that they're not walking in the grace of God anymore. They're walking in kind of their own efforts, their own uh, ability to do things that was pleasing to God. And, and so they would often kind of do things to try to force God's hand in a particular matter or an area of their lives. And so Paul kind of writes this letter and he says, hey, you're being deceived and he uses the word bewitched. Paul says basically to them, man, what you started in grace, you have to continue in grace. He said, some of you, you're kind of shifting and, and, and you're, you're trying to walk more according to your own effort, your own ability. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And you're trying to earn your favor. You're trying to earn the promises of God. And Paul says that that is, that is not walking in grace. And so Paul makes clear to them the grace of God that saves you. It's also the grace of God that will sustain you. Paul said what you started in, continue in. And so often, I mean, all of us, we're guilty of making that shift. Sometimes it can just ever be so gradual 
where, where we're not walking in the grace of God, but we're, we're, we're starting to walk more in, in our ability to kind of keep God's laws, to, to kind of, you know, satisfy God. If, if I do this, you know, God will bless me. If I do that, it will make God happy. And so all of us, there's just those times in lives where we're unbeknownst to us, we kind of just start making this gradual shift away from the grace of God, and we kind of just start walking in what we call legalisms. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to make God happy, to, to earn his promises and blessings. And it becomes less and less about the grace of God and more and more about what we are doing or have done or are promising to do in the future to move or to satisfy God. And every so often, I don't know about you, but, but a message on grace, it causes me to kind of stand back and to ask that question, are there areas of my life right now where I've kind of shifted out of grace and I'm really, really walking in my relationship with God in legalisms. That's why I think messages on grace are so important. That we would come to this place again of, of just understanding that God would unilaterally, without any preconditions, give us something so incredible, so awesome that we do not deserve. When you think about that, certainly not the message that we see and hear in the world today. If you just look in the business world, I mean, they have a very, very skewed and, and just a very warped idea of grace. Loan companies have, maybe some of you have taken advantage of this, uh, they call it a grace period. And what they mean by that is if you don't pay your debt, if you don't pay your loan back on time, they'll give you kind of a five or a ten day grace period. They may attach kind of, you know, some fees to that. And they call that a grace period. Listen, folks, that is not grace. That is an extension. Grace is again that unconditional favor of God that is fully and freely given to every one of us who are sinners. Something we do not deserve, we cannot earn. That's why a lot of people will spell salvation D-O. There's something I gotta do to be saved whether it be join a church, get on the praise team, teach in the children's ministry. Some of us spell salvation D-O thinking we just got to read so many Bible verses a day and we're in, give to the poor, whatever. Others want to spell the word salvation D-O-N-T. And that basic approach there is don't do this, don't do that, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, don't date girls who do. And we kind of think if we just don't do certain things, we're going to please God, we're going to be good, we're going to be in. But God's way of spelling salvation is D-O-N-E. The gospel message is simply Jesus Christ has done all that is necessary for our forgiveness and our salvation. It is a free gift, no strings attached, no fine print in the contract. You are saved 
by grace through faith. There's so many people that are striving and yearning and burning, trying to earn the grace and favor of God when all you have to do is just receive it. A lot of people kind of remind me of the man who always had to go to work by taking a ferry from one side of an island to the other. And one day the man was running late for work and he's trying to make this ferry before it leaves. And as he gets there and parks his car, he kind of looks and sees that the ferry was about 15 feet from shore. And so this man kind of began to take off in a dead run and he's running down the hill as fast as he could. And he reaches the end of that pier and he just leaps with all of his might, straining with every muscle to try to reach the deck of that ferry. And so he landed on the other side, onto the deck of that ferry, flat on his face. He had skinned his nose, he cut his lip, tore his shirt, ripped his pants, but he made it. He was so excited, he jumped up and looked at the people around him and said, praise God, I made it. The captain of that ferry kind of looked at him with a strange look and said, son, we were not going out, we were coming in. Again, God's grace, it's not something you got to run after. Rather, God has brought his grace to us. It's, we don't have to go get it. He's brought it to us in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All we got to do is receive it. Again, just remember the mathematical formula. It goes something like this. The grace of the Savior plus the faith of the sinner it equals salvation. Now, not only is um, grace unconditional, but it's also unmerited. That's a second description of grace. The best way to understand and really to define grace is to compare it to two other great words in the Bible, those being justice and mercy. Now, justice is God giving you what you deserve. I mean, because we're sinners, what we deserve is we deserve punishment. We, we deserve eternal torment in a place called hell. That would be God if all God was was a just God. But he's not. He's a merciful God. So the justice of God, it gives you what you do deserve. The mercy of God is God not giving you what you do deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is God giving you what you don't deserve. Again, salvation is totally, I mean, start to finish. It is by God's grace and his grace alone. It is not rooted in the merit of man. It is not dependent on our righteousness, but in the mercy of God. It is not. God has not given salvation because of the goodness, the attempted goodness of mankind, the promised goodness of mankind in the future, salvation appeared because of the grace of God. I love how Paul put it in Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. He said, he, referring to Jesus, saved us, not by works of righteousness which we have Done. That's kind of what the people in Galatians were trying to do. 
and it switched away from what God had done to save them to what they were doing to save themselves. And again, he reminds them, Jesus saved us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. That's why messages on grace are so important. He says, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That, that's all that there is a manifestation of the grace of God. Let me say something that's going to sound kind of strange to those of you who may be here this morning, and you kind of just still think that salvation is about you kind of working your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven, but you can work your way to hell. That's true. You cannot work your way to heaven, but you can work your way into hell. Dr. John R. Rice used to say, if you go to hell, you pay your own way. But if you go to heaven, you get a free pass because somebody else has paid for it. Let me illustrate it this way. When a man works an eight-hour day, and then he receives for his effort eight hours pay, we call that a wage, right? When he competes with an opponent and beats him in a fair contest and maybe receives a trophy or a medallion, we call that a prize. When this man receives something in recognition, maybe for good work or a superior achievement, we, we kind of call that an award. But when a man can earn no wage, can win no prize, and deserve no award, and yet receives the wage, the prize, and the award anyway. That is God's unmerited grace. And not only is God's grace unconditional, unmerited, the third description I would give you for grace is God's grace, it is unmatched. Folks, there is nothing in this life or the life to come that will ever come close to the grace of God. I know Jason shared at first service, again, those attributes of God. It is impossible to exaggerate the grace of God. It is unmatched. It is unsurpassed. I call it unmatched because of really what it costs. Now, again, you're tempted to say, now, wait a minute. You just said salvation was a free gift. It is free, but folks, it was not cheap. The magnificent grace of God, it doesn't cost you and I anything, but it costs God, his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in order to provide and to give that to us. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, look at that. Here's another manifestation of the grace of God. He that by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Because of our sin, we deserved death. But Jesus came, the righteousness of God, 
And he tasted death for every one of us when he took our sins upon himself on that cross. That is grace. See, God will forgive you freely of your sins, but, but you got to understand, this is not like a business writing off a bad loan. This is not like a governor pardoning a criminal. Sin is a debt. we got to understand that. Sin is a debt that demands, it requires to be paid. Uh, you know, Jason kind of talked about, you know, there are just some words and attributes of God we don't like to focus on. We, we don't like to think about the wrath of God or the justice of God. We tend to kind of want to just focus on the ones that, that kind of make us feel good. Oh, grace and, and love and kindness and goodness. But you know what? Justice, the wrath of God are, are, are equally attributes of God. Sin is a debt that demanded full payment. payment. God's holiness God's justice, those two attributes right there, they will not allow God. They don't permit him to just write debt, to write sin off like a debt. It doesn't allow God to kind of just look the other way and pretend it never happened. It, it doesn't allow God to kind of sweep sin under the rug. Justice, it demands. Holiness demands. Sin has got to be dealt with. It's got to be satisfied. That's where Jesus comes in. Because of our sin, you and I, we owe a debt we could never, ever pay. And Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe. It wasn't his debt to pay. But the grace of God comes in and gives to us what isn't ours, what we don't deserve. And you say, why would God do that? What would motivate God to do that? It's his grace. You sit there and say, that's unbelievable. I say, yeah, that's why it's grace. You, we cannot overemphasize, we cannot exaggerate the grace of God. It is that incredible. Another way God's grace is revealed and manifested in our lives is grace releases us from the power of sin. Isn't that incredible? You've been released from the penalty of sin. Grace also manifests itself in a way that we are released from the power of sin. Salvation, it not only commences in grace, it continues in grace. Titus 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all mankind, teaching us. Some of your translations will say instructing us. What does it teach us? Well, it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. It teaches us how to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. What I love about grace is there, there's nothing to earn, but oh, beloved, there is so much to learn in the grace of God. God's grace, it wants to kind of become a tutor in your life to teach you how to live the abundant life of a Christian. Now, now, God's grace, it kind of starts with two basic premises. God loves you just the way you are. 
God loves you just where you're at this morning. No matter how far or how close you are to God this morning, he loves you the way you are. That's the first premise. Second premise is God loves you too much to leave you there. Once we become believers, God's grace wants to begin to teach us, to instruct us how to live out of that grace. First lesson grace teaches us is leave the sinful lifestyle. Verse 12 emphasizes teaching us, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. You know, there are some people who say that grace can be a very dangerous doctrine. They say if you teach a person that they're saved by grace, it's not dependent on anything that they say or do, that goodness and good works has nothing to do with obtaining salvation, there's this fear then that people are going to just get saved and then they're going to go back out there and they're just going to live any way they want to live. As a matter of fact, that very thing was happening early on in the New Testament church. Jude makes this observation in Jude 4. He says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed long ago who were marked out for condemnation. Ungodly men, he says, who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said there were people in the church in his day, just as there are in this day, who were teaching kind of this ungodly lesson. Because if you understand grace, you'll know the opposite is true. Grace does not give you the license to live the way you want to live. It gives you the liberty to live like you ought to. Grace grace does not give you the license to go and do whatever you want to do. It gives you the freedom to live the way you ought to. Jesus, he didn't die just to save us from hell. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 1.21, that he will save his people from their sins. Grace, when you understand grace, it'll transform you. I mean, it has one of those things of kind of changing your appetite. It will kind of instill in you this hunger and thirst for righteousness. Grace has a way of kind of changing and altering your ambitions. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, therefore we make it our aim or our goal whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. How's that for a life mission? A life mission statement that you're, you, you get up in the morning and your goal, your aim for that day is, I want to live my life in such a way that it is well-pleasing to him. That's one of the impacts, the influences grace wants to have upon your life. Grace, it it has a way, uh, again, of changing, of transforming our attitudes. Colossians 3.2 encourages us that we set our mind not on the things that are below, but those things that are above. Grace has a way of kind of changing and and altering our actions. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever we eat or drink, we do all to the glory of God. That's what grace wants to do. It, It wants to transform us. 
There are two things that are true of a person who, ex- who really has experienced the true dr- grace of God. First of all, he cannot, he does not want to live like he used to. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man, if any woman, any person be in Christ, he, she is a new creature. All those old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So he doesn't want to live like he used to. Rather, he wants to live like he ought to. That is, that, that is the manifestation of grace. Back during the days of the bloody revolution, French Revolution in Paris, true story, the mob who kind of broke into the palace and seized King Louis XVI and his wife, Marianne Antoinette, and they had them put to death. Upon following that, they rushed back into the palace and they grabbed their their son, the young prince, and they were going to put him to death by the guillotine. And so when they went to get him and they were going to take him there to the guillotine, someone came up with kind of a more devilish plan. And they said, hey, let's not kill this kid and send him to heaven. Let's take this kid and let's make him the devil's child and we'll send him to hell. So they came up with this plan and said, Let us, let's take him down to this vile old woman we know. And let her teach him to live the life of a heathen. True story. So they took him down to this vile, wretched woman. The first thing she did was she ripped off his robes of royalty and she just dressed him in rags and dirty clothes. From the very first day she had this young man, she tried to teach him to swear and to curse, but he would not. She tried to get him to look upon acts of lewdness and shame, but this this young man would just simply shut his eyes and not look. And finally, she tried to get him to eat food that had come from a hog pen. And for this young man, that was the final straw. And that prince just kind of balled up his fist, threw back his shoulders, and he said to that woman, I will not eat trash, watch trash, or talk trash. I was born to be the king of France. I am a child of the king, and I am going to live like it. And that ought to be true of every blood-bought Christian. And we live in a day and age where it is so easy to eat trash, to watch trash, and to talk trash. We need like that prince And the grace of God will enable us to just simply say, I will not eat trash, look at trash, or talk trash. The second lesson grace teaches us or wants to instruct us is, leave the sinful lifestyle, but begin to live the sanctified life. Verse 12, again, it kind of gives us this picture. It says, we should be living soberly, righteously, godly in this present life day, and age. Again, grace wants to infuse every part of your life. Man, we know is kind of made up of body, soul, and spirit. And this wants to kind of infuse, it wants to affect all three areas of our lives. Personally, again, we are to live soberly. So socially, we are to live righteously. Spiritually, we are to act godly. And you know what? When you're living soberly, that kind of affects your internal person. 
When you're living righteously, that kind of permeates into your external. When you are living godly, that is eternally. Just as there are always two sides to a coin, there are always two parts to the Christian life. We've talked about this before, the concept of separation and sanctification. The Bible is full of examples like that. One of those being in Psalm 37, 27. And there it says this, depart from evil. That's separation. Separation is when we choose to separate ourselves from evil and wickedness. And so it says, depart from evil. That is separating yourself. And do good. That is sanctification. Grace teaches us to say no to what is wrong, but more importantly, to say yes to what is right. Notice again this grace, it is to be lived out in this present age, today, here, and now. Grace is never out of step, it is never out of style. God's grace, it is always sufficient in any age, under any circumstance, to enable you, to empower you to live the way you ought to live. Grace not only prepares you for the life that is to come, but it purifies us in the life we now live upon the earth. That's why Jesus died for us. Titus 2.14 says, He, being Jesus, who gave himself up for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. So leave the sinful life. Love the sanctified, or live the sanctified life. The third lesson that grace teaches us is love the servant life. I love what it says there in verse 14, the result of all of this, living soberly, righteously, godly in the present age, it says, making us zealous, desirous for good works. Do you realize that word zealous in the Greek? It means boiling or burning red hot. Grace sets us on fire to be right, to do right, and to live right. Grace, or that, that zealousness, it teaches us, it sets our hearts ablaze to live and to serve the living God. I shared in first service one of the things that uh, you may remember, I think we talked about this, when we did the Bible reading over at the courthouse there, those five days uh, back around July 4th. Towards the end of that Bible reading time, God had just given me a picture, and it was a picture of us setting up a table over at the courthouse that Tuesday morning and just being there serving coffee and donuts to the courthouse employees and just thanking them for their kindness and their graciousness toward us when we were there. And so I felt like by God giving me this picture that that's what we were supposed to do. And so um, Karen Campbell and I, we went over, we set up a table, and we were there Tuesday morning, and we were just serving coffee and donuts and bagels to the courthouse employees as they came in, and they were just startled. You know, they're, they're kind of walking up like, you know, they're just 
There's, you know, something is going on here. And they kind of just, you know, what is this for? We said, we just wanted to just thank you for your graciousness, your kindness. Uh, we were here doing the Bible reading, and we just kind of just wanted to come and just say thank you. We appreciate, we value what you do as public servants. And they were just so shocked by that. You know, you kind of just see, okay, what's, what more is there to this? I mean, they were like waiting for the other shoe to drop. There was no other shoe. So, got done with that, and then I felt like God said, and gave me a picture that he wanted us to do it at the courthouse, or at the city hall. We did it at the courthouse. Felt like God said, okay, now I want you to take that, and I want you to move it over to city hall. So, it would have been a week ago Thursday. We set up over at city hall, and we were just there, and as the employees came in, we just had coffee, donuts, bagels, and kind of same reaction, why are you doing this? We just said, we just feel like we are in such a day and age right now where there's just so much bitterness and there's, there's so much anger. Um, we just feel like they're, our, our fa- our, the fabric of our society, it's just being torn apart right now with, with just so much unkindness. And so we're here this morning just to say thank you. Thank you for what you do for the city of Mason City. And I said, you know, I know sometimes as, as citizens, you know, the only time you ever hear from us is when we have problems, and sometimes we're not very kind about that. And I know some days you must walk out of here thinking, does it even matter what I do? And we're just here this morning to say thank you. You matter to God, and we just want to thank you for everything that you're doing to make Mason City what it is. And, and they were just like totally blown away by that. There was one guy that kind of came out like, like three times and, and just wanted to understand, why are you here? That's all we're here for. And so this coming Wednesday, we're going to the Sheriff's Department and we're just gonna set up and we're just gonna serve lunch to them because we want them to know what you do it matters. We appreciate all that you do, all the sacrifices you make to try to keep Mason City and the surrounding area, Cerro Gordo County, all that you do to try to keep things safe and sane. Thank you. We appreciate you. That's the servant life. It's loving that. It's being that in our community. So leave the sinful life, live the sanctified life, and love the servant life. I really feel like God's called us to also go into schools and just be there when the teachers, when the principals, when, you know, the office workers show up. And again, just to say thank you. Thank you for all that you do, all the sacrifices you make in educating our children. Folks, our our world is dying for that kind of affirmation, for that kind of kindness, for that kind of valuing as people. And I believe as a church, we are called, we are positioned to do that. So if if you'd, I mean, like to be a part of that, let me know. I mean, so far it's kind of been Karen Campbell and I um, doing this. We've got some people working with us this Wednesday to do the sheriff's office. We really feel like we want to go to the police department and do something similar for them as well. Okay, I'm not going to get into the third um, one. We're, we're out of time. Um, and again, that is just simply uh, grace removes us from the presence of sin. Uh, it was really interesting as we were uh, 
preparing. I, don't, I normally don't do this, but I went into Jason's office on Thursday morning, and I said, do we know the song, Grace Like Rain? Um, and he said, uh, no, I don't think we've ever done that song. I said, well, that song just kind of has been churning in my spirit all morning, and I've kind of just been singing that song. And so I said, I, I feel like God wants us to end on um, Sunday morning with the song Grace Like Rain. And so he listened to it. He said, yeah, it's a pretty simple song. We can do it. Well, what was interesting is a lot of you know Pastor Jim kind of leads the prayer ministry uh, for the River City House of Prayer uh, out of uh, our church right now. And so he, he was telling me that they were praying on Friday. So this conversation between Jason and I on Friday, and then Jim said in the prayer room on Friday, they just really felt like God was emphasizing that he really wants to just, for, for his grace to just begin to pour down and just to rain upon people. And so Sunday mornings, they meet in the overflow room right over here, and so they heard Jason and the worship team rehearsing this morning, they heard that song, and Jim just came rushing up to me this morning. He goes, you're not going to believe this. And he kind of told me what they had been, how they had been praying on Friday. He was not aware of our conversation on Thursday. So we just really believe, and I just really believe this morning, God wants to reign his grace down like rain upon us this morning. And that rain of God's grace, it may be salvation, you know, other manifestations of God's grace are his healing. I mean, maybe some of you are here with maybe sickness and disease today. God wants to manifest his grace in your life through healing, physical healing. Maybe it's healing of a relationship. Maybe it's kind of like what Kathy talked about. God just wants to rain down his grace in your finances. And maybe your whole approach to God up until now has kind of been this thought of, I've got to do this, this, and this to kind of earn it. Or, or to try to, to leverage my goodness with God in order for God to do these things. And, and the message again this morning is, it's already done. It's already provided. God's healing, his grace, his salvation, his provision, his finances, all of that is a manifestation of his grace. It is there. It, all you got to do is just receive it with no strings attached. And yeah, you didn't deserve it. You don't deserve it. That's the point of grace. It's to say whatever you need this morning, all of it, it's a free gift of God through faith. So I just challenge you this morning, whatever maybe you're here this morning, or maybe it's you're one of these people like me and, and you, you kind of gotten out of walking in the grace of God, and maybe you find yourself right now, you're kind of just walking in legalisms, the ought to's, I ought to do this, I ought to do that, and maybe God will do this. That's legalism. And maybe this morning you just need to make that shift back into the full favor of God's grace this morning and realize it's nothing about me. It's all about him and what he has done and accomplished for me through Jesus Christ. And just walk in that this morning. So I just invite you, if there's an area of your life this morning where you just feel like the grace of God just needs to rain down in abundance this morning, that you'll just allow the Holy Spirit to just open your heart, to guide your heart into that area where God just wants to release maybe a new measure of his grace in your life. Also, just a reminder that communion is here again 
There's just no greater reminder of the grace of God than the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Again, it's just an example of what he's done for us this morning to give us that measure, that favor of his grace. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. As that song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. God, what a simple song, a simple message, but a very powerful message. And so, Father, I just pray this morning, if there are people here who are lost, lost in sin, those that are maybe just having the effects of sickness and disease, broken relationships, strained finances, whatever that may be this morning, God, I just pray, Lord, that your grace, your full favor would just rain down upon those areas of our life this morning that just need a fresh infusion of your grace this morning. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would come open, hungering, thirsting to just experience that grace in deeper and fresher ways in our lives this morning. And that as we come to you, God, we will not come and walk away disappointed. But this morning that we would come and again taste of your grace and just walk away with that sense of amazement in awe of your goodness and your kindness that you've made available to us because of, of all that Jesus did. And it's in his name we pray. It's in his name we come. It's in his name that we stand in faith and say, Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.